Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. I am your host, Vanilla Ken Seymour, with your other host, Chocolate Richard Geiger. Chocolatey and smooth. Yes, we are back this week with a new episode and a new set of perspectives on some old ideas. We're uh, particularly excited. I think we've got some some winners to talk about this week. Y- yes. <laughs> He's 100% on board. You, you got it from us right here. So we're going to go over a little bit of uh, uh, the new baseball season. It's going to be starting up, so we're going to talk a little bit about that. Richard's a big fan of the baseball. Uh we will be talking a little bit about the state of movies in our cinemas, and more specifically, the state of those cinemas and and where we think they are and where we think they're going to be going. Now, I know there's some in Indiana where we live, but that's not what we're talking about. No, no. And then we'll be finishing up with the last bit of comic book movie history from 2006. Three movies, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, we're, we're only going to really touch on a couple of them because, uh, well, for reasons we'll get into. Mm-hmm. But without further ado, um, so as we kind of talked about, if you've listened to our show at all, uh, you will know that I am not a huge fan of sports. It's not so much that I don't like them, it's just I have limited time and I choose to spend it doing pretty much anything other than watching sports for the most part, but... One sport I love to watch live is professional baseball. Baseball. Now, the the new season's starting up. Are you a big baseball fan, Richard? I used to be. Okay, so by that, let's give some clarification here. So, I grew up in the era of the 90s baseball. You could say like the steroid era if you wanted to, and that's fine. Uh, One of the highlights of that era was in... Was it ninety eight with uh, Sosa and McGuire uh, chasing the at the at the time the home run record uh, that was thrilling that was in my opinion must watch television every time they're on being a Cubs fan it was even easier to watch there was no internet well there was internet but not like what there is now so the only way to watch and to figure out these things was to watch them live so. We knew we had to watch, we had to get on WGN, we had to do Comcast Sports, we had to find the channels that had the games on for us to be able to watch to see what was going to happen. And I think as baseball has evolved, or actually has not evolved, has as time has evolved, and people's interests and in how they consume things have evolved, and how people, how quickly people want to consume those things have evolved. Uh, baseball's kind of fallen behind a bit. And obviously since the 90s, since the 80s and 90s when baseball was, was at its like tippy top. And football was kind of creeping up in there. Now football is the, the tippy top. That's the pinnacle of what people want to watch and pay attention to in in this in this country yeah anyway. I was say, united states we're talking about american football and not soccer correct and nba was really hot although it's kind of uh been tempered a bit this season ratings aren't quite like what they were and that's really hard to explain i'm not a real big lebron fan um when the Golden State Warriors were really good this year, they're like the worst team in the NBA. Everybody's been hurt. Uh, I think they were one of the big reasons that viewership kind of jumped up. Um, and now they're bad, and everybody on their team is hurt, and it's not the same team. And even Kevin Durant that was on that team is not on that team anymore, and he's hurt anyway. So a lot of players, like the interest level isn't there. And when your big star is somebody like James Harden, no. He's not that fun to watch, I don't think. Well, it's not exactly like it's crashed and burned or anything. No. They're it's, still making lots of money, yeah, trust me. Yeah. So baseball. Baseball is kind of Oh, Houston Rockets. <laughs> yeah, that's the the baseball is got has got a lot of money. T V contracts in baseball are ridiculous, but Above all else, a players' union in baseball is over the top, like 
really, really, really good. Yeah. You, you kind of see that right now with the the cheating scandal for the Astros and nobody's been punished on the Astros. And one of the big things, one of the big reasons why is how the players union is formed and some of the rules are, that are in place, the labor, actual labor laws that are in place that the labor unions are there to protect. So when you look at the contracts for some of these baseball players, I mean, they're getting like eight year contracts for $350 million. It's outrageous. Um, the scrub players in baseball get a million dollars a year and the, the the players that are in the NFL may get half a million a year if they're lucky, maybe less than that. So it, baseball is a money sport and right now the money's there, but that viewership and that attention is really kind of going away. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of curious how it's going to, to play out. I mean, and I just have to say that the whole non-apology from the the coach after that whole scandal is one of the funniest things I think I've seen on TV with somebody doing his best to avoid addressing it in any real way. That was not like politician level sidestepping because it lacked a certain finesse and skill, uh, but uh, <laughs> it's just willful ignoring of the subject it, it's kind of cringy but the bottom line is people are talking about it it's kind of an annoying subject in, in a sense and i don't it, it it i hate the old saying it is what it is because that's got something to do with it but the guys are they're not going to get punished nothing's yeah. going to happen although the over under for them um, to to have hit hit batsmen, I think is in the eighty low eighties right now. So you can make a bet how many times the Astros player is going to get hit by a pitch this year. Uh, the record apparently was from the Phillies. I want to say a few years ago, uh, or earlier this decade. I want to say no, it wasn't. I remember it was a few years ago, and it was like a hundred and three. 103 hit by pitch in one season. Wow. And some people think that the Astros are going to eclipse that record this year just because that's how you that's how you get back at people in baseball. It's kind of childish and petty, uh, but you hit somebody with a 95-mile-per-hour fastball. It's kind of silly. Maybe they'll learn. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. The commissioner, who is not that great of a commissioner in the sport, but has his hands tied in this scenario, has said that, oh, if you do that because of retaliation or something, you will get punished. So the people who throw the pitches are going to get more punishment than the people who committed the cheating indiscretions. So well, kind of funny, but it is what it is. You just got to make sure that the reason it happened isn't because of retaliation. It's an accident. So you throw them one or two good pitches and then accidentally hit them. Yeah, but if they hit those one or two good pitches, then... Well, that's fine. That just lends credibility, and you go back after them later. There are nine innings. You'll have another chance. That's true. Hopefully not in a crucial situation where you don't need somebody on base. But I, the cheating thing, it's, it's, it's boring. You can read all about it on TV, and it's... No one's going to get punished, and it's going to go on. They're going to talk about it all season, and it's going to be blah, blah, blah. So it's just not... People are talking about baseball now. People within baseball are talking. So that part is exciting. But what yeah. they're talking about at this point is is essentially it's over. They still have the Red Sox to figure out what their punishment is going to be. But I, I guess any publicity is good publicity. That was my thought on that. I mean, for me, not being the sports fan, I there's nothing in terms of actual um, sporting events that I enjoy to attend live more than a baseball game. Just the ambiance, the, the, the fresh air combined with the environment, combined with being able to just kind of relax with the person that you're with and see the game as it unfolds and you've got the full panoramic view of the entire field and everything that's going to pretty much from any seat that you go to unless you're like directly behind the batter at the baseline you got the netting in the way and all that sort of stuff but I mean I mean really you combine that with some nice food and it's just kind of a great environment I, I'll, I will go to that I, I hate seeing a live basketball game I hate seeing a live football game uh, I never feel like I have a good enough seat 
in uh, in a football arena to get a good game, and basketball just bores me anyway. Yeah, I, I can say that I've been to quite a few baseball games, none recently, that's for sure. But you're right, just the the environment. If it's a nice day, and just everybody around you is generally having a good time, and just watching when you watch a, a telecast of any sport, you don't get to see a lot of things or appreciate the athleticism as much as what you do when you're, you're seeing that thing in person. So I, I do like that. Now I will say um, I had the, the joy of going to watch an NBA game here just uh, last week. And I don't watch the NBA. I follow the NBA. I know the players. I know what's going on in it, but I don't like the basketball that's played as it appears on TV, but the tickets that I had were redonk. They were outrageous. Courtside almost. Uh, yes, you can see a picture of me behind the ESPN crew on our Instagram account right now. But when you watch a basketball game, an NBA game with those types of seats, you get to appreciate the athleticism that you you're seeing at that point right how big strong most of these players are how effortless shooting and dribbling is for most of these players it's incredible and you're not you're right you're not going to see that on some of these seats that are just sections way up that you're looking way down you just it's like you're at home watching it when you're at the stadium because you're so far up you're not going to get that same appreciation for it so but, but you're right with baseball I don't know. It's a big stadium. You're outside. It's usually sunny. You know, if you go to watch a um, an NFL game, you might be indoors. Um, it might be cold. You, you 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 never know because that's played later on in the season. But the baseball games, you know, if you go uh, May, June, July, August, there's gonna be a good chance of good weather, uh, pleasant atmosphere. Depending on where you go, you might see a cityscape behind you. You might see um, a, a river, an ocean front, like. The baseball stadiums are really nice, and they're a real nice place to go. There's lots of lively attitudes and atmosphere around when you go to a baseball stadium. So you're right. It's different. Well, and the, for me, the big difference, and this is this is going to lead into my question on this subject that I, that I think is where the real pertinence is. Even though I'm not a fan of, of basketball at all, and my, my liking of football has waned, in recent years, when you actually look at how it's presented, comparing live viewing to television, basketball translates to the television very well. At any given time, generally all the players are in the same basic place, and the court isn't that big, so everything can be done. With football, the vast majority of the action is taking place in the same spot. I mean, yeah, you got receivers going down the field, but you're not looking necessarily at where they are. You're looking at where the ball is. So it's easy enough to track that movement and keep things where it is. With baseball, there's so much going on a lot of times and the field is so spread. There's a lot of cuts when you're watching a live game from from the outfield to the pitcher to the batter to different angles because you just can't see everything very easily on television so could our global change in mental state where everything has to be quick and everything everybody has their own unique version of adhd uh where you've got to have something that's going to grab my attention for a game that's already a slow moving game for the most part and also you can't see everything how is that going to have a chance to to keep that attention going in as as our consciousness changes well when it comes to the nba games i like to watch all the aspects of of course i'm watching the person with the ball but i like to watch the rebounding that happens i like to see the movement without the ball Uh, when it comes to the nfl games of course we're watching the the ball but i do like to watch the linemen both offensively and defensively, how they interact, the way the linebackers move with or paying attention to the ball or not paying attention to the ball. So there are a lot of other aspects, but you're right. With with baseball, it's the pitcher and it's the batter for the most part. Uh, I do like to see 
when a righty comes up or a lefty comes up, how the outfield shifts. Right. Right. And, and I like to see now, nowadays they do an infield shift a, a lot, like too much, actually. And, and it doesn't really work all that much for what they are trying to get out of it. But I like to watch the behind the scenes. I like to watch if a runner is on first or second base. What is that runner's interaction while the pitch is forthcoming and then as it's delivered? So there are little segments like that, but for the most part, it is boring, right? Like there, there, there's not a lot. There, there really isn't. At least on TV anyway. It's, it's like NASCAR when you drive in a circle and you <laughs> turn left. That's the epitome of boring. Now, I'm... I, from Indiana, and I, this whole state seems to love people driving in a circle. Which yeah, I don't, I don't get that. Boggles either. my mind, but I I know in in NASCAR there's more to it. Well, you got to pay attention to the fuel. You got to pay attention to the tires. You got to pay attention to the the drag. You got to pay attention to a lot of the 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 road conditions. That's cool, but at the end of the day, they're driving in a circle. Yeah, and without much variation. So that to me. Is it interesting? But at least when someone's pitching, if they're they have a a selection of pitches to choose from because that's what they've grown up, that's what they've trained to do: fastball, curveball, changeup, and slider, and forkball, all these other things. When are they going to throw it? How are they going to throw it? When this batter's up there, do they know what's coming? I mean, that's part of the problem with the cheating scandal, right? But how do they react to what's coming? Um, are the, you know, the, the, if you can, the right-handed batter needs to hit the ball to right field, but he's a pole hitter. What's going to happen? So, like, I appreciate all the scenarios like that. Well, and there's, there's adjustments that you can see. It's like going from one inning to the next. You can change lineup, right? It's like, oh. This is this we've got to alter our strategy because they've changed how they've done things. So we need to change who's in what order and adjust our, our way of handling things, right? Yeah. No. Has so, to stay the same. So when you deliver the lineup card, that's what the lineup card is. Even if you messed up in the card and you put the people in the wrong order, that's the order that they have to bat. You can't uh, you, you, you can't change that. You up. can't change them. Now, the only way that you can change in in a sense is someone has to be substituted for somebody else but you can do like a double switch where someone comes in and goes to this position but the other person position player goes to this thing it's like you can rotate things around in a certain sense to 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 fool with the the lineup in a sense um but as far as moving things, oh, I I want this number two hitter to now move back in the line. No, no, you can't do that. You can, you can do that on a day to day basis, just not within the game itself. So, if you think so, like obviously each team's pitcher is going to be different that starts every game, in theory, and how you think that team is going to attack your batters. And if you've seen it through a three-game series, the first two games, I mean, you might need to change up the lead-up hitter because the the a leadoff hitter because the leadoff isn't approaching the game the way you want the leadoff hitter to. Leadoff hitter needs to get on base. That's kind of the whole idea. Um, and if they're not doing that because of something that the other team is doing, that might be an adjustment you would make on that third game in that series. But there are adjustments you can see as opposed to something like NASCAR or. Uh, Formula One, where you're not seeing really any adjustments to anything because it's just the car. Correct, and they are they are adjusting things on the car, but you, you just, can't just see it. You can't see it. Um, it, it, it might be about pitching adjustments because those you can mess around with. You right. know, you want to get your starter. Now things have changed. It used to be, you know, you you get your six, seven, eight innings out of a starter. Now they get five innings, and they're like, "Yep, this guy, time for this guy to go." So the pitching pitching is different. They can they tend to carry more pitchers on the active roster now because they switch pitchers all the stinking time. Well, that's probably a good thing just for the, the the sake of their arms. And that's what they'll argue, but 
I don't always buy into that, but some of the rule changes are meant to adjust that where if you do change a pitcher, that pitcher has got to stay in there for like three batters. That's, I don't even know if that went through or not, but <laughs> you bring in a pitcher just for one guy. <laughs> oh, uh, that, uh, trust me. That happened all the time, all the time. And that just slowed down the pace of the game. Right. So they have to do their warm-ups. The person walks in as slow as they can possibly walk to come in, and they do the warm-ups, and they're like all these TV breaks. Like that just slowed down the pace of the game. And the reason, the only reason why they did, they tried to change that. Like I said, I can't remember if they did or not. The three batter minimum mm-hmm. is to speed up the pace of the game. Yeah, they got to do something. Well, hopefully, I mean, I hope they come up with something because it's it's America's game. At least it has been considered in the past. I mean, it would it would be sad to to think that it just doesn't hold the attention of the the nation anymore. As long as the TV contracts are there, and the licensing contracts are there, they'll still get paid. Um, even if the ballparks are empty, just look at Miami. No one goes to a Miami Marlins game. No one. That thing is empty. You'll have two thousand people in in, in a, at a baseball game at a time. Like it just really bad that's got to be a little disheartening for the players um and for the city too but that's a whole different that that setup is a whole different story but somehow they still have some type of income because of licensing and because of tv contracts so speaking of things that keep people in business (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like that segue? Is that a good one? Yes. So this is where we uh, this is where we break into a little bit about what makes us tick. Now, obviously, we're not uh, we're not uh, the blood. We're not the Marlins or the Yankees or anything like that. But we do uh, want to remind you that we have a, a wide variety of ways that you can keep in contact with us. Uh, we are available on a variety of social media. You can find us at Real. Uh, putting guys on Twitter. You can find us at putting guys on both Instagram and Facebook. We obviously have a website at www.everybodylovesputting.com where you can join our forums. They're lonely. They, they need your love to come in and say something every once in a while. And of course, we have our Patreon page where we are lonely. Well, that too. At Pudding Guys was where I was going to go with that. Where, Roger. Where right now, for just a dollar a month, you can help support us as we search out, find new people to talk to, find new things to do. But we have something interesting that's going to be coming up. Now, I'm not going to be going into too much detail because it's probably not going to be dropping until around June. But I want to give just a little a little taste, a little tease. It's taco bar. Yeah, that would be very popular, but very difficult to deliver nationally. Um, We already have a fantastic tool that we created for you, our Ultimate Comic Movie Database. It's free to everybody. It's on our website. So if you want to find interesting information about comic book movies and the people that are in them and the comics they're based on, it's all there and it's customizable in its search. And it has quite a few things that you can't find anywhere else. Nowhere. Nowhere else. Well, we're going to be expanding that. Now, I call that the Ultimate Comic Movie Database. Eventually, what I would like to call this new database is the Ultimate Pop Culture Database. It will be starting still as comics. We'll be expanding into the television shows and animated shows. We'll be having more stuff that you can search, more customizable things that you can find out, more bits of information. But we will also be expanding beyond that at some point beyond and we will be able to make it so that you can vote on what information you would like to know how you would like that information to be presented there will be a lot of customizability everybody will get a vote so on patreon you will be able to support this either in an annual fashion or i believe we'll be putting some one-time donations so if you donate enough you have a lifetime sort of a sort of a key to it but we'll also be looking for any of those interesting businesses that would like to invest in this tool that is going to be kind of our legacy that we're going to leave for everybody to be able to have access to eventually. I would like to make that second thing available to everybody. If we get enough 
funding, we'll just make it available to everybody. But at least for the time being, it's going to be something special that only some people will have access to. And you can wow your friends with all this information that you will have at your fingertips. But we'll have a little more about that in the coming weeks and months. So that's going to take a lot of time. Time. And time is a precious commodity. And I know if you're anything like me, I like to spend my time not just creating something new, but uh, kind of wasting it, watching movies. We talk about movies all the time. A lot. Well, one thing that we kind of wanted to talk about today is uh, the state of our way that we consume movies, specifically in movie theaters. Mm. Um, I have great memories of movie theaters and a great love for movie theaters and i know richard you have told stories about having worked at movie theaters yes i managed them i ran them i paid the bills for them i did the maintenance for them i painted the stinking curbs at that <laughs> what yeah well the thing that kind of we were talking about a little bit before the episode and and in preparation for and it's just something that that we've been thinking about the way that we consume our stories, our television, our movies has changed just dramatically over the course of the last 20 years. Um, back when I was young, uh, uh, in the time of horse-drawn carriages, uh, we are young. If you wanted, <laughs> right? If uh, if you wanted to watch something, you either watched one of the handful of channels that was available on television. If you were lucky, you had a VCR uh, that you could occasionally get a video to rent. But pretty much, if you wanted any sort of a decent experience, you had to go to the movie theater. And it was, it was just kind of this wonderful outing. Um, Almost an event in a, in a sense. Right. I mean, I know... We talked a little bit, and some of us are more keen on being in large groups of people than others, but it's it's not quite the same. It's, it's not people that you have to talk to unless, unless you have to tell them to be quiet because they're ruining the movie, which doesn't really happen all that much anymore that I've seen. But, I mean, you share this experience uh, with this group of people in an environment where you get to just be completely wrapped in the sound and wrapped in that visual interface and it was just it was just kind of it was like you said it's an experience it's just nothing could compare to it now for me as that experience evolved so one of the things that we talked about here too when we were younger we watched movies we enjoyed them. It was movies that we got to go see. Maybe our parents took them because they wanted to watch the movie. But when you watched the movie when you were younger, did you pay attention to the sound quality? And did you pay attention to the screen? Not so much. Not, not so much, right? So you just went because it was about the whole thing, right? Right. And I, I think what we've run into as we've evolved in our movie watching is a kind of an expectation in, in a sense because if you're at home you can customize how your tv looks right so you're the one that purchased that tv um you're the one that purchased the sound that was available for that tv now some people don't care about that um, others want the whole immersive thing when you're at home as well. You want the whole setup. You want the bass. You want the mids. You want the left and the right channels. You want all those things. And that's how I kind of always was, even when I was, um, when I was younger, when I got my stuff at home. I had my VCR, and I got my stereo system with it. I got the stereo that had all the channels, the, the center, the right, the left, and that's what I hooked my VCR up to. And when I hooked it up and it only did, you know, like the the right and the left, <laughs> I was like, man, I'm just not getting this experience out of it that I, that I really had counted on. So I really got into the visual and the audio piece of it 
And, and to me, you, you can't replicate that in its truest sense, unless you got a lot of money. You're not going to be able to replicate that experience except at the movie theater. For the most part. I mean, if you don't necessarily have to spend a ton. I've seen some nice clip systems, uh, some nice Bose systems that will give you a run for the money. But, I mean, and that's, that's the real change, though, that I kind of wanted to talk about is, you know, talking about those old times, if... Uh, if you had a 27-inch TV, you were rocking. I mean, that was a big screen at the time. And VCRs were great in terms of being able to watch that movie, but it's a VCR, so the quality was never amazing, and the tapes would wear out, and you had all sorts of issues that went along with it, with just the, the pops and the crackles and the things coming up. It just it was, it was not exactly the experience that you would want it to be, but if you didn't have a choice or you know you just couldn't couldn't do anything else that was it but as televisions have gotten larger and the quality of what we've gotten has gotten better as we progress to to dvds and then blu-ray and we've got all this streaming at our fingertips we have so many movies so you forgot laserdisc well i didn't forget i intentionally skipped over just because there were only seven people in the united states that purchased laserdiscs when it came out what about uh, HD DVDs? Uh, that one uh, just uh, is hurtful because, you know, it, it broke the tradition. Yeah, but, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I try to forget that too. But the, the upshot is the same. As the quality has improved and our access has improved, has our desire to go to the movie theater decreased? Has I mean, because I've got a 60-inch television that's a pretty stellar screen size. Yeah, it's not movie theater size, but it's impressive in a smaller room. I can turn out the lights and turn that on and hook my sound system up, and it's pretty close. And it's enough to kind of sometimes in my mind edge me towards I don't really need to go to the theater. And I, I think that it combines a, a, that with the fact that the theaters that I've gone to, I don't know about you, but in the last... 10 years they don't seem to upkeep them in the same kind of way i mean the seats are broken down a lot of the times the they're kind of nasty uh, they don't clean the screens the the sound systems are not hooked up right all the time seems like they're occasionally being run by people that aren't paying attention uh, so like i can say that when i was in charge of these things and I was in charge of these things at three separate theaters with seven screens, ten screens, and nine screens. So nothing crazy, but just enough to keep me occupied. I personally enjoyed movies so much that as I worked through, and a lot of times even as the manager, I built... So this was this was back in the reels time, right? So seven, eight, nine, ten reels. It wasn't just a hard drive you put in. It was a set of smaller pieces of the movie that you had to build to make the greater movie. I took pride in putting them together so that the, the transitions were seamless. Um, I took pride in making sure everything looked good these projectors were were, weren't exactly the best thing in the world they're super expensive but there's a lot a lot of moving parts i cleaned everything i maintained everything the bulbs that you put in them cost 800 bucks and so i focused them i made sure that they were bright and if they weren't bright i had to make adjustments for those so like i thought like for me i took pride in what that appearance was if we had a couple of theaters that had like the big booming Dolby sound, I adjusted that. I went in. If that movie that was in there, uh, and I've told this story before, uh, was like a, a boxing movie and you wanted to feel those thuds and the punches, I turned it up. If it was just, you know, some talking and some of that type of stuff, I, I, I didn't quite, I, I kept it toned down a bit, you know, so like I made adjustments to those things. But I can tell you for sure when things happened so if somebody put gum on the screen i saw it i i noticed it and i went and did something about it and if i couldn't clean it i at least addressed it now the people above me 
at the time were they're a whole different ball game, right? Are you saying they were tight? Uh, yes. Uh, you know, our popcorn machine would continually break because it wasn't meant to just churn out as much popcorn as what we would do. It wasn't that type of machine. It was meant for a lot, but in smaller batches. And a thing would always break down. And I'd get like, why are you putting all these POs in to get this thing fixed? Because it keeps breaking. So it's just like the the little dumb stuff that you've got to compete with someone who's like watching all the the nickels and dimes, but doesn't care about the nickels and dimes except because they're nickels and dimes, right? Right. But it's about the seat maintenance. It's about having those things cleaned like every six months. You've got to put the purchase orders in. You've got to have someone come in and do it. And if they need to be spot cleaned, you have someone to pay and come in and spot clean the seats, especially in the higher traffic theaters, right? Yeah. But that all costs money. And if the theaters aren't making the same amount of money that they were five, ten years ago, they're going to sacrifice the maintenance piece, which which stinks because you're right. The last couple of times we've gone, sound has been iffy, but the screens have been gross. There's been yeah. s- spots or chunks or things like the screen is not clean. And it's to me, I, I guarantee you, 80 percent of the people that go there don't even see it. Don't even pay attention to it. But for me, it drives me absolutely crazy because I just sit there and stare at that dirty There's spot the on the screen. There's the one spot, right? So it's it's just a culmination of things at, at this point. You know, it's, I don't know. Well, and, and combine this with the fact that you've got a whole set of generations that aren't like us, that don't have that nostalgia that's attached to the theater, um, that maybe don't have the same kind of love for it. Because if they wanted to watch something... I, I I look at a lot of people that they look at their phones. They're more than happy to watch television and movies on their phones. This tiny postage stamp of a screen, that that's a good enough experience for them. Good headphones, you're inching towards okay. Okay, if you've got to sit somewhere and spend time for a half hour. But if you're right. at home and that's what you're doing, I, fi- I take issue with that. Yeah. And so, so in my mind, I wanted to kind of address this. It's like, what can the movie theaters do? Because, like you said, they have to make money. I mean, that's the whole reason they're there. That's why a small drink costs $6. $6 for a small, which technically isn't really small, but $6 for a drink that costs them like two cents. Now, now we got to re- I guess we not reiterate. We got to touch on what makes a movie theater money. It's not the ticket. No, none of that money goes to the theater, right? So it goes to the people that made the movie. The that ten twelve dollar ticket, the theater ain't getting any of that money, right? So it's about those concessions. It's about the ads. When you see all those ads that run on the theater and then you you got to sit through 15 20 minutes worth of trailers right it's because they were paid to be there so for the people that complain about that stuff i get it but if you want the movie theater to stay open and be there you got to sit through those things for 15 20 minutes and you got to pay your 17 dollars to get a small drink and a bag of twizzlers it's just all you, you got to suck it up that's part of the experience so I think there could be a much more elegant solution to this so that people wouldn't feel like they're being taken advantage of when they're buying their concessions for incredibly inflated amounts to sit in a dirty theater with a nasty screen and sound that doesn't work terribly well. There's, there's got to be a better way. And so I've been thinking about this for the last probably couple of months, and I've talked to a couple of different people about it. They're, I think they're missing some opportunities here. They need to change the environment, change the paradigm. Now, I've, I've seen some movie theaters sort of try this. I mean, they have the IMAX theaters, and they're trying. It's like, well, what if the, the seats are like recliners, and you can have better food that you can take with you and eat? What? That's a nice thought. It's, it's still... Uh, it's an attempt to try and address the problem, but I don't think it's the right way because, yes, we want the environment to be inviting. We want it to be uh, good, but I think the, 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 the way that you're going to make that money, other than keeping the 
uh, theater in good condition so that you can build a generation of people that want to go there because it's a really inviting, wonderful place to go, you uh, synergize. So look at the number of comic book movies that are being made. We talk about this all the time. Have you ever seen somebody watch the movie and they go, I need to collect comic books? Doesn't really happen. Not, not from the people that we've talked to in the industry. They say that, that that crossover doesn't really occur too terribly much. Why not work with your local comic book shop? Have them be able to have some comics that are related to the comic book movies coming out available when they buy it. You can even jack up the price a little bit for the convenience of having those comics there. I mean, add like a dollar to the cost. People are not going to notice when they go because the comic, even with a dollar on it, will be less than the Coke that they bought. And they've got this thing that is related to what they watch and can show them something new that's with it. Or merchandising. I mean, there's merchandising for so many movies that are out there. We watch Knives Out. How much would people love to have a couple of the props from that film? Something like the the, the the knife. I mean, just the, the knife from that would be, or, or the set, uh, the Go set that they're playing. Something like that. They could pick that up while they're at the theater, and they have a memento related to the movie that they saw that can remind them of it later. Just ways to kind of branch out. You talked about having uh, these giant posters that they used to have in the theater, and you still have some of them rolled up somewhere. Well, I, I never got those big posters, but I got movie posters. I used to like to have them on my wall. Well, I don't really do that much anymore because even if I get the movie poster, you, know, you got to frame the movie poster and blah, blah, blah. Self-framed movie posters. The movie poster costs, what, 50 cents to make? The frame, maybe five bucks at the top? Probably not anywhere near that. Sell it for 20, 30 bucks. You have a framed movie poster for the movie that you just watched. And the theater makes a ton of, mo uh, ton of money off of it, and you take something with you. You're not going to make money off the arcade, the six games that you've got there. It's the same ones that were there six years ago? Right. That, that's, that you're, you're not addressing the changing nature of the industry. You've got to do to little, just a little bit to innovate and cross-pollinate that's going to give you that money that you're not only going to be able to make money, but now you can, in your mind, afford to do that maintenance so that your chairs are awesome and that everything is clean and you maybe have happier workers because they're maybe making just a little bit more. Oh, they probably wouldn't pay the employees more, that's for sure. I mean, they're still going to make the absolute minimum wage that can be made. Yeah, maybe, but it's a nice thought anyway. In just thinking about this, do you ever hesitate? So when you go into a movie theater and there's no one there. So for, for like for me, that's like the golden movie theater. There's yeah. no one there. And that's why I take my shirt off. You, you get to pick the seat that you want. Yeah, it's and perfect. It, it's the same. It's it's probably it's you know it's the one where there's like the, the the rail that you're not supposed to put your feet on, but that's a foot rail and that's oh, yeah. what it's there for. So. It's the one that everybody wants to sit in. Yeah. That means everybody has sat in it. Has sat in it. Yeah. Do you have the hesitation when you go to it and you're like, uh, maybe I don't, maybe not this time? I give a little glance first, make sure that it doesn't look nasty. And then as a secondary thing, I give the touch test. Is it wet? Is it, you know, is it giving in in the wrong way? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> just to make sure that I'm not going to be sitting in somebody's uh, remains of drink or vomit. Uh, yeah, that's that's just the one. And, but see, like what that goes back to is you can't control the person that just sat there for the previous two hours, three hours to no. watch a movie. But if that's the theater and those are the seats that get consumed the most. I know you can't go in and you can't clean every seat and you can't clean them every month. No. But if you're going to like pay somebody to go in and clean those things every six months, right? Okay. If you're going to, if you're only going to clean all the seats, you're going to do it once a year. 
fine, come in and do some spot cleaning for some of those heavier trafficked seats just once in a while. No doubt. It's, the people that work there can't do it. The managers can't do it. You don't have the proper equipment and the know-how to do it. Pay someone to come in and do it. Oh, there's a win-win on that, too, because like you just you delay the time frame of the movies that are played enough so you can do that spot cleaning. And that will result in you being able to see a movie after work during the weekdays. Yeah, that's what is what's up with that? The latest movie. See, it's all about the money. Right. So they're not they're not going to pay the employees to be there. and They're not going to pay the electric bill to have it be open. So the latest movie th- movie times that we can go and watch a movie is like seven something, seven twenty maybe. Yeah. None of the movies play later than seven something, and it's not even a late seven. So it's like seven fifteen, seven twenty. There are no nine o'clock movies except on Friday and Saturday, and that is it. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, it's probably partly to do with the fact that we're in a smaller town. Uh, maybe in Indianapolis or Chicago or uh, Los Angeles, New York, you have a little more leeway because there's a larger population and they can get away with a little bit more. But still, come on, guys. Have, have, some, have some decency. There are, there are a lot of people in this town that work jobs or go to class or go to class and there's they can't they can't do it if you want actually be able to to have more people go to the theater you have to be open and have things playing at the times when they can actually do it yeah that that just started within the last year drives me absolutely crazy yeah i'm sure it resulted from some analysis somebody with uh with a pocket protector and uh a degree from some uh, prestigious university <laughs> that said, well, if you look at the numbers, you'll lose this, but then you have to maintenance it less here and you're paying your employees less here. So you actually end up winning, even though you're selling less. Great. Yeah. I, you know, I bet that didn't happen in 2006. <laughs> Pro- probably not. 2006 was a great year for comic book movies. Was it? Oh, yes, we've been talking about them. Yes, we have. Segway, segway. Um, we're actually almost done with talking about 2006, actually, because we've gone through most of them. We even included one that technically wasn't based on a comic book, but I just had to mention it because it was kind of funny. Um, but there are three more movies from 2006 that uh, we have not discussed yet. We're only going to touch on two of them by name. We're not even really going to go into the specifics because the vast majority of people have not watched them, and it's not uh, we're included. Uh, we have not seen these movies, um, and it's just not something we can speak to in any real way. So we'll just kind of skip it. But uh, two of them. Uh, one is called Ultra. Uh, if you've never heard of it, we don't blame you. But uh, the other is called Gargantuarama. Um, both are kind of limited release sort of movies. In fact, Gargantuarama, I don't think hit the theaters at all. Um, but the, uh, the other one was actually a television movie. Uh, so (laughs) the real winner production company, CBS. So we're really not going to go into that in any real way, shape or form, but we wanted to save the best of the 2006 Okay, maybe best is the wrong word. Uh, maybe the most widely seen comic book movie of 2006 for last. Well, uh, do you think? Nah, 300 is probably the most widely seen, you think? At the time? No, no. I, I put this over 300 easy. Hmm. I'm not talking about quality or... N- no, I'm not talking about... Well... <laughs> <laughs> I know you love 300. As I was gonna say, is this one better than 300? Ugh. I mean, it's not hard to be better than 300, but this movie was pretty bad. So, But it had two movie lead-ups to it, so it already had a dedicated audience from the previous movies. It's a mainline comic book rather than a graphic novel that was adapted. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. Frank Miller, awesome, uh, but... It's it's one of those things that if you talk about 300 versus the X-Men, the X-Men's generally going to win. Okay, so I'm just going to look at this real quick. This says 
uh, domestic gross. Now, this may not be accurate, but I'll take it for its word. 234 plus million worldwide gross, 460 plus million dollars. For the X-Men? X-Men The Last Stand on a gigantic budget. Holy cow. $210 million budget. Woo! That's a lot of money. They doubled their money. Well, I bet marketing and a lot of stuff chewed up. So they made their money back, and they still made a little profit off of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, Enough to buy a yacht and a plane. Something. More more Mariah Carey videos. <laughs> so, okay. So I, I guess I was close. Uh, domestic gross for 300, 210 million plus. Uh, worldwide gross. Four hundred and fifty-six million plus. So, so in the United States, X Men beat them, but worldwide, three hundred. Uh, opposite, opposite, opposite the other way. Okay. Yep. So, but three hundred's budget was sixty-five million. Yeah, dollars. they didn't have to do a whole heck of a lot. It's like, okay, you guys, uh, you guys get shields and tunics, and we'll do everything else in post-production. Yep. <laughs> Just go do some more sit-ups. Jeez, <laughs> look awful. Yeah, but so. The the X-Men movie that came out in 2000 was just kind of an eye-opener for a lot of people, and the sequel was really popular, too. Um, what happened with this film? It was, it was uh, just a train wreck. Well, part of the problem was how the second one ended, right? So That was rough. You, you're, you're trying to do the dark, you, you teased the Dark Phoenix. Yeah. And when you see that, you're like, oh, that was the Dark Phoenix. Like, I, I know that's a big story arc, and we've talked about this before. But that, that story arc, how they've done it in movies, is not exciting. No, they've kind of messed it up. But there, there are several reasons they have messed it up. First of all, it's it's a cosmic storyline. Yes. And Fox has the X-Men at the time. And that's pretty much it. So you couldn't really get into anything that you needed to because the Dark Phoenix wasn't just something that was in the X-Men's backyard. It affected everybody. Okay, then, then don't do the Dark Phoenix. Right. Just a simple choice. A choice so bad they did it twice. Now, we actually liked the more recent movie. It was pretty decent. It's better than this one. More better than this one, yes. Um, there's just so many things that were were wrong with with this movie. The, the big one that stands out to me is one of our favorite characters that they just totally annihilated in this and just... Yeah, Juggernaut was just awful. So bad. I mean, I like the guy that got to play him. I have no problem with that that individual. And maybe it's the director's fault. Maybe it's casting. Maybe it's something like that. I mean, don't get me wrong. Vinny Jones is, is cool. Just Yeah. He's, he's, he's not Juggernaut. No. We, we saw a bit of what Juggernaut, Juggernaut could be with Deadpool, uh, Deadpool 2. That was actually really good. Yeah. We, we got a hint of what that character could be. The one in this movie, that's not it at all. That was just a joke. But So talking about the director, Brett Ratner, um, if you're um, not familiar with him, he, he is responsible for a lot of music videos, uh, uh, the vast majority of them, to do with Mariah Carey. So that normally, if that was all he did, would have made me just upset if he were put at the helm of an X-Men movie. But he does have some some stuff that's that's really good. Um, I know that uh, he had uh, the Rush Hour films, which I enjoyed. I mm-hmm. thought those were done really well. Um, and you got um, um, Red Dragon. Red was Dragon. That was that that uh, sequel. More Hannibal Hannibal Lecter. Right. We read prequel. Prequel. Yeah. And I heard a lot of people really liked that film. I have to admit that's that's one I have not seen. Um, but. You know, he's he's done some stuff that I've liked. Now, uh, uh, movie forty three not being one of them. 
uh, if you if you have to ever compare X Men uh, The Last Stand to movie forty three, you should definitely watch The Last Stand about twenty times in a row before you even attempt to watch movie forty three because that thing was just uh, it was almost unwatchable. I've seen enough of it to know that it's bad. Yeah. I, I tried several times, and it's, it's multiple segments, and I would get through a portion of the segment. It's like, this is just not funny. It was it was just not well done. But anyway, I digress. Back to the the current the train wreck that we're talking about rather than a different one. Um, this has already been talked to death by a lot of people, but I want to talk about more about things that I potentially did like about it. Um, so I mean, there were okay. there were some things that continue. They kept the cast kind of where it needed to be. We got Kelsey Grammer as Beast, which is both wonderful and awful at the same time. I I don't know whether I liked or hated that particular casting. I kind of both at the same time. Yes, as suit and tie Beast. Yeah, that was that was so much. It was it's so cheesy. It's like, but Beast, a lot of times was cheesy in the comic book. So it's kind of it's kind of right. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it works. Um, and then you know, in the future films that we'll eventually talk about, you know, the casting of Beast was more traditional in the sense, I, I guess, with who they chose, and so more relatable, but at the same time, kind of less interesting. <laughs> at the same, it's true. Yeah. Um, very but, smart. I mean, you had you had the progression of everybody else that they had one of the most interesting characters that you could do something with in a film, and they had enough CGI to carry it off with. You know, we talked about Juggernaut, but also they had Multiple Man in this film, mm-hmm. who was one of my favorite mutant characters out of all the comics, and they kind of did him right in the three seconds he was in the film. Yeah, he just had a little little snippet. That, a thermal image, basically. That was so mind-enragingly awful because the, the character is so interesting. There's so much depth that it can have, and I understand they didn't want to really dig into it. But don't bring him in as just a plot piece. I mean, what the hell? Eric Dane shows up. Yeah. Just... But one of your favorite... Not you know, well, not fake. one an actor that you think highly of yes. uh, got dusted pretty quickly in this one too. <laughs> and who would that be, Richard? Uh, James Marsden. Yes, yes, uh, I, I I do like James Marsden quite a bit, and I understand. I guess no, no, I don't. There's no good reason they should have killed him basically off screen uh, in the first ten minutes of the film. Uh, I don't even have words. I have no idea what they were intending to do with this film. Not the only character that they got rid of. No, not the only one. They sort of killed Professor X. Yes. Implanting, using using his uh, great moral understanding to implant himself in a comatose patient that had somehow had no mind, so you could feel better about taking over the body of somebody else permanently. Uh, I don't know. And, you know, they they had to kill Gene at the end. Yeah, that was also kind of dumb. There's just a lot of plot problems you could say well yeah and this isn't even really addressing a lot of the plot holes this is just in the general way that they decided to handle the the characters and 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 how things were going to I'm, I'm sure part of it was they knew they weren't going to get another sequel so it's like it really doesn't matter what we do but then they fell into the same problem so many comic book films do it's like well what do you, what do we do with the bad guy well, let's kill him at the end stop it you don't need to kill the bad guy or the antagonist at the end every single stupid time. Do something better. They didn't. They just yeah. took away his powers. Yeah. Eh. Eh. Oh, gee. 
I, I just don't, I don't have enough words for how much this film just enrages me. Um, I'm trying to be positive, but I still went down the, 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 the negative route just because it's, it's so bad. And the, the mutant cure gene, the way that they did it with leech. No, that's no, that's not how they deviated to my memory from the way the comic books worked. And first of all, uh, Leech looked substantially different. He was very interesting looking in the comics, and I liked that part about him. It was he could have had a Baby Yoda thing going on well before Baby Yoda. Mm-hmm. But no, man, let's just have him be a kid. That way, we don't have to spend anything on any effects and or any pro- prosthetics or any makeup. And okay, fine. And then, then you got uh, the Angel character again, kind of there only for half a minute. Now. That actor was not only just Angel. He's been in another Marvel movie, uh, though the character that he played did not have any powers in the other movie. But uh, back in the Thomas Jane... Extra pierced. That's right. Punisher, he uh, he was a part of that. I liked that character so much better. <laughs> that character had so much fun to it, and they just, they just kind of let him go crazy with it, and good. And I like... Archangel, yeah. the angel character is bland. Yeah, he got wings. Cool. Go on. I mean, that, that's it. You know. There's even a Pete Holmes sketch where he uh, plays Professor X firing members of the X Men, and the one where he fires Angel is hilarious, and it's great. I and mean, most of it's like, oh, you're kind of you're you're fudging some things, and this really not quite how it is. And, no, Angel, yeah, he should be fired. My favorite thing was like, what is your power? I fly. And, well, that's it. It's like, you know how many people on this team can fly and do something else? <laughs> yeah, it's, but, but he's like an old school member too, like in, in the comic books. Well, yeah, yeah, he is, he's founding member, but. I just think the, of course, the Archangel character is so awesome. much cooler. And it, like the whole him getting turned and then getting his powers, but then w- hating his powers. You know, like the whole the whole character arc with that. Besides the fact that he's much a much cooler character, much more powerful. Yes, and, and just his 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 sorrow. Is that is that well, there's depth to the character. Yes, the the regular angel character. What do you really have? Oh no. I'm rich and I have wings. And I'm a mutant, so some people might not like me because I have wings. Stop drinking Red Bull. Yeah. So it, it was it was kinda lame. But uh the direction they went with Archangel was much more interesting and that was that was a, a good shift. Now admittedly we can't have Archangel Archangel without Angel. But they could have uh, done something better sooner or just have him sit on the sidelines. I, I do appreciate in this movie the introduction of multiple other characters right right? even if you just get to see him for a snippet or the bad the quote the bad guy the brotherhood characters like that's cool i like seeing other characters or even if ones that they just made up uh, that's okay too but i I like i still like seeing more characters and like the the colossus character got more screen time in this one that was a big yay for me and Colossus is a really fun. I think I like the Colossus character. Me too. And of course, he's done pretty much nothing in all these X Men movies. He shows up, but yeah. well, and even in Deadpool, I mean, he's kind of a caricature of himself. Yes, but I mean, yeah, he he, what he ferries out the children in the second film, and then he's on the battlefield in the third film. But eh. yeah, exactly. So there, why, why, why have him if you're not going to use him? Yeah, it seems kind of a kind of a waste. But that is what they did with it, and that is where we kind of left things for a while. And the X Men had to be eventually reset and fixed, and then broken again <laughs> <laughs> later. But. Yeah, the the reset was good. Yeah, the the first class I really liked first class quite a bit. And the other ones were fine. They're okay. It's yeah. I didn't mind. Okay, I didn't mind the Dark Phoenix, but that's, that's uh, just it me. was it was empty. I mean, it was as long as you could just kind of 
turn your brain off, it was okay. Mm -hmm. But if you looked at it as, hey, this is going to be my comic books come up on screen. No, no. it is not. No. Um, and, you know, it, it it is unfortunate, but there's no real way around it. But are we the only ones that think that way? Are there others of you that have seen this film? You should let us know. Visit us on our website. Talk to us on our forums. Message us on Twitter or on Facebook. We would love to hear from you. But until next time, uh, do something and then something else. And then we'll, we'll get to the next episode. And that's the important part. You'll hear us next week. And that's something that you do. Do it well. That's right. But just so that you know, next week we will, if everything goes well, be having a special guest that will be uh, someone we've not had on the show before but relates to an individual that we have actually interviewed. And it will be in regards to some classic video gaming or more specifically a play about classic video gaming. Um, and we'll also be having a movie review, uh, more than likely, uh, about Mr. Wright. And uh, maybe we'll, uh, we'll have some other interesting stuff to go along with it. But just stay tuned and we'll have some more fun for you. Thank you.